Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome to episode six of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. First, I want to say happy Valentine's Day to you, whether you're single or part of a romantic couple or triad. I know this is a day that many people celebrate relationships, but I hope if you're single, you take some time off to celebrate life and enjoy this holiday. I am super excited about our conversation today. I interviewed Dr. Loni Barback. Dr. Barback is a couples therapist for more than three decades, and she has numerous publications. She's the past director of clinical training at UCSF Human Sexuality Program, and she's one of the pioneers in creating women's pre-orgasmic group treatment programs. It's funny, the first time I heard about Dr. Barback was at American Psychological Association Conference in San Diego many years ago. I was browsing through different books, which you know how things are at conferences. It's like very dry scientific books. And out of blue, I saw her book, which is erotica. It was called The Erotic Edge, 22 Erotic Stories for Couples, which I found fascinating and I purchased it. And I found, oh, cool, this is a person who's doing very interesting and different, this is a psychologist who's doing different and interesting things. And after I finished reading her book, then I did more research and I got familiar with her other works. And she has many different publications on female sexuality, couple sexuality, and also relationships. In our conversation today, 
we talked about sex and orgasm. And also we talked about mismatched desire among couples. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Loni Barbach. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Loni Barbach. Dr. Barbach is a clinical psychologist, and she's been in practice for several years, I would say several decades, mm-hmm. and <laughs> she is the director of content for Happy Couple, a quiz-style game that takes you from dating to building a healthy and sustainable relationship. Dr. Barbach, welcome to our show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for this conversation. And today we're going to focus on female sexuality. I know whenever I'm talking to my clients, female clients, they have lots of questions about orgasm. So if that's okay, I'm going to start from there. Sure. So what are some of the psychological aspects of reaching orgasm in women based on your experience? Well, for women in terms of a relationship, the connection is often really important feeling emotionally connected to their partner, having a slow buildup rather than for most male partners, it can be much more rapid, but women like to build up more slowly, often starting away from the clitoris, from their genitals, and then moving toward that later on, and feeling safe in the relationship, and also feeling like they have a right to pleasure. You know, for an awful lot of women, a sex becomes something that they're doing for their partner. And they may not masturbate because they don't feel like sex is, is okay for them, for them to have a sex drive outside of a relationship. So for women to feel like they have a right to pleasure, that they, are, that they can take the time that they need without worrying about their partner. So all of those worries get in the way of orgasm. And so does even the worry, am I going to have an orgasm? And that alone could have women focusing out their outside of themselves. So rather than experiencing what their body is experiencing fully, they're more focused on achieving something. And the orgasms can be very elusive if you try to get them. But if you don't pay any attention to them, they develop on their own accord if you just keep doing the kinds of things that are pleasurable. Fantastic. And I think as you were talking about, uh, sometimes women are doing it because they want to please their partner. They're more like sometimes relationally motivated. And in that way, I see some of my clients are talking about faking orgasm. What are some of your thoughts about that? Well, the problem with faking orgasm is that you're teaching your partner that whatever it is your partner's doing is right when it isn't. Right, absolutely. So it, it's more beneficial to, and also you want to have a relationship in which you're, you can be honest. And if you can be honest, then you can feel safe. If your partner can accept you, you can relax. And then things will naturally evolve of their own accord. It's when you feel that you can't and you should be different that you get into difficulties. So you, you want to have a relationship where you can be honest with your partner. Taking an orgasm here or there is not going to be an issue. There are just some times when you're just not, you're just not in the mood or you're just too exhausted um, or for whatever reason, it's too much effort and you don't really feel like you want to get there. And then, that, then it's, it's fine. But if it's really an ongoing kind of thing, it's, it creates difficulties in a good intimate relationship. 
Yes, and as you were talking about, it gives wrong information to partner, so it kind of hindered the success of the sexual relationship between couples. I, I'm one of the biggest fan of your book, the uh, for yourself, the fulfillment uh, of female sexuality, and I know in that book you were talking about the role of guilt and mm-hmm. how people experience women specifically uh, experience guilt around sexual fantasies. So how do you usually help clients to work through that? Well, you know, I, I think that people don't really understand the breadth of sexual differences. Uh, we only know our own experience. And there is, it's often difficult to get really good information like you're trying to put out here. So people come go around thinking their own, whatever the myth is that they've believed. And so they, they get stuck in that and they try to live up to some external standard or what they believe is normal as opposed to realizing that we are just as different sex, sexually as in the kinds of foods we like to eat or the clothes we like to wear or the activities we enjoy or the music we enjoy. You know, we're all unique and distinct, which is why in any good relationship, the important thing is that there's good communication because it's impossible really to know what a partner wants without communicating. And we, we somehow got the idea that men should know. I mean, like they're born with the knowledge about every woman, <laughs> which is just not true. So without getting specific information from the particular woman that they're with, you know, they're maybe trying the thing that worked for the last woman and it may not be the right thing. So it's, it's essential to, to talk and to explore and to, you know, that's why we designed Happy Couple, quite frankly. It was one of the ways to get couples to talk about areas that were taboo, that, that were hard to bring up or they were shy to bring it up. And this way we ask the question and then they can answer it and then they talk about it. So it acts as a, a way to stimulate that kind of talking and that kind of openness Absolutely. And I think for new generation, newer generation, they're really into technology. So they would be feeling more comfortable using that method to kind of communicate some of their needs and some of their desires. And for the people, um, for example, I'm coming from a very conservative background. And sometimes when I work with couples around sexuality, I realize they almost never talk about sexuality, their desires and needs. Where would be the good starting points for couples? Well, a good starting point is to talk about um, what do they love to do sexually? What turns them on? And to move into that area as, as slowly or as quickly as they are comfortable. Now, the nice thing about a sexual relationship is you have, if you're with a partner for a lifetime, you have a lifetime to keep developing it. So you can try new things. Your, your interests can change. And if it becomes an area that you talk about like anything else, then it, it also uh, creates trust in the relationship and it deepens the relationship and it deepens the commitment in the relationship. You know, there are studies that look at, you know, what are the most important things in keeping relationships together for a long time? What makes for a good marriage, for example? And there are three different areas one of them is that you have shared values that you really feel, you know, kind of it's like family when you're with that person. The other one is that you have, you're able practically to have 
things that are similar enough so that you can live together and make the same kinds of decisions. And the third one is sex. And if you have all three, you have a fantastic relationship. And if you have two of the three, you can have a really good relationship as long as sex is one of them. So we can't underestimate the importance of sex in our relationships. I can't agree more. And I know I hear sometimes couples that they've been married for certain years, they say, where I love the person, but she or he is like my sister, my brother, there's no sexual chemistry left. And I think that's definitely a very real challenge for many couples. That is, you know, um, if, if a couple has that sense of chemistry in the beginning, if both people really did feel turned on and sexually interested in their partner, then they can get it back. The difficult couples are the ones where they got together and really didn't feel any chemistry in the beginning and got together because they were good friends because they had the other two of that three-legged stool that I just talked about. So they were, they had shared values, and they did feel like they could practically live together, but they didn't have that chemistry. I don't know why, it, you know, it's something that's elusive. Uh, it's either there or it's not. But if you do have it, then usually what's getting in the way of having a good sexual relationship ongoing is, one, boredom, that a couple gets into a routine and they don't try anything different or their lives are very, very busy and they don't make time for sex, or they don't make time for to prioritize their relationships so that they're spending real quality, intimate time together, not just sexually, but going out together and just, you know, having a dinner together, not having the kids if there were kids involved, so that they can, you know, keep that intimate feeling going. And the other problem is if there's problems that are not sexual that haven't been resolved. So if the woman feels that she's not, dis- if she's not feeling respected or she's feeling that her um, things that are important to her are not being seen as important to her partner and she feels put down or powerless in the relationship, then it's very often the case that she won't feel desire. You know, she won't feel safe in the relationship. She won't feel desire for her partner. She can't just, if she's angry at your partner, it's hard to just clamp down on one feeling, usually if you're clamping down on your feelings, then you're not going to feel it in the bedroom either. So keeping the communication going throughout the relationship, prioritizing the relationship, staying open and trying new things sexually, all help to keep that part of the relationship alive and helps keep the relationship really thriving. It totally makes sense. I know communications are one of the big challenges that many couples experience because as you mentioned if there are strong emotions that are kind of keeping couples away from each other emotionally outside the bedroom it definitely impacts their intimacy as well and one of the other things that you were talking about that was fascinating was about desire one thing that I hear from some of my clients is that they feel connected to their partners, but they just don't ha- they don't experience the sexual arousal and desire on day to day basis. What are some of the things that kind of hinders women to experience the arousal? Well, you know, if if for a lot of women, first of all, there's not the same thinking about sex as often as is true for men, and the amount people think about sex day to day actually decreases with age. And after menopause, it can go down quite low. 
However, once in bed starting to make love, most women feel turned on if there is nothing that is inhibiting it. So as I said, if they're not feeling upset with their partner for any reason, they are usually ready and willing, providing they're not exhausted. Because one of the issues that can happen in relationships is that there's a discrepancy in desire. So one partner has a higher need or drive for sex than the other one. And this is, you know, this is one of the many differences that we have. You know, how often do you want to go to the movies or how often do you want to, you know, have a, a particular meal for dinner? It's, it's different from person to person. But when it's in the area of sex, it's experienced as much more personal. So the person with more desire kind of feels unloved and undesirable. And the person with less desire starts to feel inadequate and guilty. And the person who has more desire starts to try to have sex maybe even more than they're really interested because, you know, they never know. Maybe tonight will be the night. And the person who wants less sex feels like it's being constantly put upon them and they resist even though they might not if it were less frequent. So being able to accept differences and talk about them and come up with something that's going to work for the two people involved is the essential thing without there being something about somebody's oversexed or somebody's undersexed. Right. And I know that as you were talking about when a partner initiates sex and if it's a pattern and the other person is not feeling ready and they don't ha- they have a mismatch of desire that some people experience it as a rejection and right. it impacts their relationship. I- I've seen it drastically. Yes. Yeah, it could be a simple I just saw a couple recently where discrepancy in desire was there from day one. Now, they are both turned on to each other, and they have a good relationship. But the, the feelings of being undesirable and not important and, and feeling like I have to resist, uh, there, I feel guilty or there's something wrong with me, were so great that it started to impact the sex that they did have until this couple wasn't having sex at all. And it was, you know them realizing that this was just a difference and how are we going to work it out now enable them to start changing there were other things going on in the relationship as well but that was a that made a big difference because it changed that push pull battle that they were in yeah and i think i really liked it when you compared it to other things people have different tastes and like as as far as the frequency of the movie they want to go to to theater or like kinds of the food they like and I think that communication and talking about it can create this understanding among couples. And I know just giving feedback around uh, sexuality, around uh, sex, sometimes it's very challenging and sensitive. So right. how do you recommend people kind of like as far as giving the feedback? Because sometimes I hear some of my clients, they the intention is really good, but the delivery is really painful. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I, what I always say is to be positive, which means that whatever it is that your partner is doing that you like, you let them know. And then you let them know what they could do more of. And maybe if there's something that's really bothering you and you can't get them to understand in a positive way, sandwich in the middle, you know, and I'd rather you didn't do this because it actually hurts. Or, you know, it, it kind of is really uncomfortable. I, I find that my arousal stops when you do that. But I love it when you do this. And this is one of the, you know, I can't tell you enough how much I love that. 
you know, do you know what I mean? So you're you're basically Absolutely. giving the person positive instructions. If you say what you don't like, it comes across as critical. And then people feel defensive and they feel bad. But if you tell them where you want to go, you are also specifically guiding them because an awful lot of men would do it if they had if they knew what to do. And so getting positive information is enormously helpful because they want their partner to be happy. They want her to be orgasmic and to enjoy sex. It's in their best interest. Right. And I think just that's a wonderful way of that when you talked about it, kind of like talking about things you enjoy, because oftentimes I hear that people just only communicate the negative things and they assume that their partner knows what they enjoy. Yeah. It's like saying, I want to go on a bus trip, but you don't say, you know, kind of where you want to go to. You just get on the bus. I mean, then you have no idea of what you're going to be able to do. But if you say, I want to go to Chicago, then you have an idea. Okay, now we'll go over here and we can enjoy the trip along the way. Maybe we'll get to Chicago. Maybe we'll stop somewhere else because it's even more interesting. And that's the thing about sex is, again, if you try to go for a goal, go for orgasm, you might miss some really great things happening along the way. So being able to take your time and and not have to be so goal-oriented is, uh, it really makes the experience better for most people. Right. And I know one thing, other thing that you were talking about earlier was the issue around boredom. Because I know what I, sometimes I call like people have decades of leftover sex, kind of like doing the same thing, the same position, and they don't just feel the excitement or arousal. Mm-hmm. But I know there are so there's some strong emotions around like trying new things and how to approach that. So for the couples that they want to try new things, what would be the first step? Well, there's a lot of first steps that you can take. I mean, one first step might be saying, let's go look online and and look at sex toys, <laughs> you know, right? or uh, let's, um, well, you know, happy couple has tons of challenges. When you reach a new level, you get a challenge and not all the challenges are sexual and the questions aren't all sexual. There's emotional and, and information and communication questions and responsibility questions. But in terms of sex, it asks questions that allow you to say, oh, gee, yeah, let's try that. Do you have fantasies? Oh, you do? Oh, I didn't know that. What? Do you mind telling me what your fantasies are about? You know, do you think you'd like to try a fantasy, act it out? No, I don't think I'd really like to try it, but it's, it's interesting for me to think about. But do you know what I mean? It's just like, even that, just that talking is erotically stimulating. That in itself opens up the relationship, even if you aren't doing much that's different. Exactly. I know one couple that I had, they just like talking about the fantasy, like the, one of the partner was talking about it. And for they didn't have, like, the female didn't experience arousal for years. But when his her partner was talking about the fantasy, she got, like, very excited. And they had sex, as you were talking about. Even mentioning it, having discussion around sex can kind of rekindle things among couples. Exactly. Yeah. And I know that uh, in your, like, few years ago, I read one of the uh, books that you had for the couples and was Erotic Stories. How can couples use those like erotic materials when they're doing a lovemaking? Oh, I, you know, I, I put together materials that I thought could be enjoyed by both men and women uh, and also more oriented toward women. Because what I found out is that men 
find almost everything arousing and women are much more selective. <laughs> so I wanted to, and for women, it has to have more of a story and more of an emotional kind of feeling between the people involved sexually. So these stories can be read before you make love. They can be read on your own to get you more in the mood for having sex. They can be read to give you ideas of things that you might try. And, you know, in a way you wouldn't have to bring up the idea just from yourself. You might say, oh, look what I read in this book and read it to your partner. That's the same thing with happy couple. You don't have to come up with it yourself. You can say, oh, look what they've suggested. What do you think about that? I really like that because I know for uh, some cultures and many women, they grew up kind of more conservative. So they didn't have, they didn't even allow themselves to express their creativity toward sexuality and intimacy. Mm -hmm. So like reading materials, use, getting ideas from app can kind of uh, start them to kind of think about sexuality from various aspects. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it, it isn't the easiest thing for most people to talk about. You grew up, most people in families where they didn't talk about sex at all. Uh, somehow it was just supposed to click. You were supposed to know what to do, how to do it. And it didn't work that way for most people. And that's why the early part of a relationship is often one for people where they're getting to know each other and trying new things. And the feedback really lets people know if they're in the right direction or if this isn't something, you know, that is liked. And the problem with boredom sometimes is that, you know, we do, we get into a routine because it works. So there are things that do feel good and you kind of, then you start to reduce the sexual experience to just those three places that, you know, where the stimulation <laughs> creates an orgasm. So it, it really does help to open it up and not be so goal oriented. So if you spend more time, then you find more things to do. Absolutely. And I, and I love that it, you said it, it worked. That's why people were doing it. But I mm -hmm. think just sometimes we get to this like autopilot place when exactly. we're in sexuality. So I think it's important for people to use various tools to kind of foster their uh, sexual creativity and improving their intimacy. I've noticed we are reaching toward the end of our time. I know that our listeners probably have many questions for you. What would be the best uh, way of contacting you? Well, probably the best way is to do it through Happy Couple. Do you want to kind of tell us more about yeah. that? I downloaded okay, the Happy app. Couple, it was great. Yeah, it's, a, it's a couple's game app. And it's designed for couples who are married, dating, living together, engaged, gay or straight, even for long distance couples, couples with kids, without kids. So the questions are geared to whatever demographic you are in. And what you do is you can download it on the app store. It's free. It's on all the app stores. And you can, you get five questions a day and you guess what your partner's answer is going to be. And then your partner guesses what your answer is going to be. And then it lets you know if you've matched or if you didn't match. And you can send texts back and forth and say, what? Really? You said that? Or, oh, I knew it. <laughs> I knew you would say that. Um, then when you get to new levels, because you accumulate points for every match that you get, you get to a new level, you get challenges, which are ideas of things to do, both in the bedroom and outside the bedroom, to help to uh, create a, more, a deepen your relationship. So you're getting to know about things sometimes before they even happen. So you know how your partner wants you to react if they're sick, even though they haven't been sick yet. But when they get sick, they know that either you, they want to be babied or they like to be left alone or just check from time to time. 
So all of those kinds of things go into enabling the couple to have a, a better, stronger, happier relationship. And if they play the game, if there's any kind of an issue with it, we have a, we have a website called happycouple.co and they can send emails through that if they want to contact any of us. Wonderful. And I'll make sure that I put a link of the app and the website in our show notes so our listeners would know how to access the website. Great. Thank you so much for your time. It was definitely an honor to talk to you. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And thank you. And I hope we'll be in touch again. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Lonnie Barback. It's funny that before I started interviewing her, my intention was to focus on orgasm. I know I work with many women and they have lots of questions and concerns around orgasm. And knowing that her she's a pioneer in the field of female sexuality, I wanted to ask her about these questions. And when we started talking, I was so excited that I felt I was all over the place. But I feel she has so much wonderful information that I wanted to learn more about. So my apologies if I wasn't on topic. If you haven't read her books, she's a fantastic author. Uh, my favorite book is For Yourself, The Fulfillment of Female Sexuality, that she goes into detail about various aspects of psychological, social, and biological factors that plays into one's uh, sexual experiences. Before we end today, I wanted to ask you to please let me know if there's any topic or any areas that you would like to learn more about. Uh, so far, I've been going based on the feedback I got from my listeners from the other podcast I have. It's in Farsi. But I would love to hear from you. My email is Dr. Mo'ali. D-R-M-O-A-L-I at sexologypodcast.com. If you have a moment, I really appreciate if you leave us an honest review on iTunes. And happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.